I'm going to introduce everyone and then we'll, then we'll, then we'll just we'll start. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Candace Nixon Olympico podcast. I'm here with Danielle and we have Cheyenne back for the third time. And uh, uh, we have Dale, Manchester United fan, joining us t- tonight. How, how are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Um, so obviously, uh, we wanted uh, to talk about the um, the five sub rule. Obviously, within with us, me and Danielle, we don't have to deal with this problem um, because we in Italy have five subs and it's all good. But in England, they don't have the same thing. Um, so, uh, whoever wants to start, uh, what are your thoughts on the situation and what needs to change as far as that? Um, well, personally, being a Bay United fan and us being in the Champions League, I think that, um, that because we're playing every three days, uh, I think that it's not really good that we don't have fives up to bring on. I think the bigger clubs who play midweek need protection from injuries because Liverpool have had a lot of injuries lately and Bay United are beginning to get some injuries now, so I think that the Premier League needs to protect the bigger clubs and, um, and to allow us to bring on five subs. But then, of course, down at the bottom end of the league, people have better quality to bring off the bench, but the smaller clubs aren't in Europe, etc. So that's not really an advantage for the big clubs to be able to bring on. Five subs. That's what I think. What do you think about that, Cheyenne? Um, what I think is a lot. It's a bit late in some ways because we, um, after Liverpool play tonight, we will only have one game left, and um, after that, it will be the round of sixteen in the Champions League, at least. And then it's a bit like I I still want in because it's good, but like the reason it should have been in was because we had one um a Champions League match here on the Wednesday, and then on the Saturday um we we had Premier League um for example, and but now it. Like because it's going to be the round of sixteen next round, um, and it's almost that anyway. It's like um, the games will be a bit more spread out, so it's not as important, but it still should be used because even if even without the Champions League games, there's still less fitness. Liverpool started getting injuries before the Champions League started this season. They had quite a few already, and it just it's not really fair because. Um, for example, like we've had to play um different sides each game, pretty much. And for example, Milner's just got injured, but he before then he plays three games in a row. And at his age, like um his fitness, it's not um that's not what like he would really want um because like you can tell that he's not really got the fitness to play that many games in a row and like Nathaniel Phillips he's got on um, he's not in our Champions League squad so 
then we have to use Reese Williams in the Champions League squad. So we can't even have backup if he did somehow get injured or if Matt Peak did. We wouldn't have as much backup because Phillips can't play in the Champions League. Yeah, uh, no, I, I get that. Daniel, what do you think about this? Because obviously you and me, we have five subs every week. Why do you what do you think or what do you think we the pro- problem is and why just ha- being in in the the other side of this conversation what are your thoughts on what uh the Premier League fans have to deal with with all these games I mean I think it's kind of unfair that certain leagues I don't know how many leagues have the five substitution rule I know it's Syria I think Bundesliga has it and I think La Liga has it as well but I'm not 100% I think everyone has it except for England, but I could be wrong about that. I mean, um, if you're ma- four out of the five major like clubs, like leagues are having the five substitution rule so they can keep their players fresh and prevent them from injury, then England should have followed suit, especially with everything that's happened this year, only having like a month to have off, but then you had to quickly go back to like practicing before the start of the season. And like as Cheyenne said, you got they already started having injuries before the Champions League even started. So right. I, plus you had plus on top of all that, we have COVID people, and one week you have play you have players that you thought you were going to be available to that aren't available, and they have to quarantine for two weeks, and that makes it even more difficult because of the lack of depth. Of, on, on top of the fact that there's only you can only use three subs when everyone else is using five. Right, and I just think that to give everybody, like, a fair chance, especially if they're playing in such close proximity, like, just recently, Inter played last Wednesday against Real Madrid, and then we had to play right again on Saturday. So it helps having that five substitutions just in case. So yeah, I mean, it's that's still bullshit, but, yeah, totally. But it's like... They should have made it, okay, if the other leagues are doing five substitutions, we should do five substitutions too because it only would make sense so it keeps a level playing field. And I think, I mean, Man United's doing good in the Champions League right now, and um, so is Liverpool. But I don't know. As the league progresses, I think a lot of the – English clubs might fall out because of this, because they don't have the capabilities of having the five substitutions. Like they want to prevent them from getting injured, so they may decide, okay, what's more important, the league or the Champions League, and what are we going to do about it? So, I think right. Plus, plus when they get to the knockout stage, and I know there's going to be time in between that. I feel like if they had more five, if they had five subs, they could they could rest players ahead of big games because, I mean, just from my perspective, I don't want to have to play my full team on like a Saturday and then Tuesday because I mean that team is going to take everything you got and if you have if you can't rest your players or don't have the luxury to do so, it's just it just seems like a an issue. <laughs> saying they would play Bayern Munich, but a, a team like that is going to take, you want the, the luxury to sort of, you know, rest players and have the, the alternative options to bring on in, in certain situations. 
Um, anyway, uh, so so my, my thought on this is is that uh, I feel like if 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 all the because obviously the big the big leagues regardless of ordered England, Italy, Germany, and Spain, uh, France, I guess you could kind of throw in there, but I don't consider them in the same class. Um, but I feel like if if one of the leagues is doing or most of the league is doing it. All of them are doing it, should be doing it at least. Um, we should just operate on similar rules um, as far as just the whole makeup. And I, I don't even know why England wouldn't do it. And I don't know what, if it's about money or it's about something else. So I don't know if any of you guys know about that, but I don't know. It just seems strange to me. Uh, in terms of a five-side rule, I think there was a for the Premier League. And I think some of the smaller clubs didn't want the five sub rule to be in because person, I think it was because the bigger clubs were seemed to have more quality depth than the squad whereas don't but I don't know if that's right or not yeah uh, I, I'm not sure I, I just from an outsider I, I it doesn't make sense to me why should why should one league or another league have five subs and one not? But I don't know. It, it just I doubt that it's going to change though. It just seems like they're they're not going to make this a uh, decision like that, especially in the middle of the season. But it, I don't know. I just I just feel like, especially in a Champions League situation, where you need to have the luxury to to play with. Uh, a, a strong team on, on one day and another day you could you could not have to, I don't know uh, anyway that's just that's just um, um, what I what I feel um, at this point um, all right another thing we can talk about it here is um, VAR I, I think I'll, it depends on who we are but I think there's a lot of there's good and bad with it uh, I know in the, a, lot, a lot of leagues are struggling with it. Others, not so much. But what do you guys thought on on the the video st- uh, referee stuff, um, Daniel? I'm going to start with you. Um, um, I think it, like you just said, there are pros and cons. Um, I think it's good to just double check, like if a foul was actually a foul, if it was like a really close one. Same with it being like a goal being considered offside, but. The con is a lot of the times it's kind of being used as a like the VAR will say one thing and it's it, basically it's manipulating the game pretty much and I just don't like it when I think it was one of the inter matches in the Champions League where the or one of the Champions League matches where they were on the pitch for like. 10 minutes while they were checking the VAR when the game could have been continued. And I just think it's being used incorrectly. And maybe they need, I mean, be a lot. There was even a quote um, from, I don't even remember, but he said VAR is kind of like ruining the sport because of how it's being used. So I think that they need to make, some like changes on how it's used and when it is like right to use because it's just ridiculous. If if you were if you had control of the situation, what would you do to change it? Um, I wouldn't. Of course, they check every single goal. They check every single thing, and I just think if there's like a scenario where you think um 
something's a little bit too close, like to tell, okay, go ahead, check the VAR. But if it's something that's clearly right there, then you shouldn't have any need for it because it was right there in front of your face. So, I mean, if they figure out what it was, uh, it's just like, it's just this whole thing with the VAR has become like a circus, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. It's it's bad and good at the same time. What do you guys think? I, sorry. Um, I was just wondering how how has it been in in Syria so far? Um, there's been some some really bad situations. I don't think it's been as bad as in Italy, or sorry, as in England. Um. But uh, there has been, like, I think overall it's been a mix of good and bad. Yeah. But I, personally, the AC Milan-Roma game is probably the worst uh, VAR um, example in any league this season that I've seen when um, basically uh, Roma, or I think it was Roma, Roma got a penalty that wasn't a penalty. Um, and then the referee knew that he screwed up the situation and then about 20 minutes later, he gave AC Milan a penalty that wasn't a penalty either. And for both for both of those calls, you couldn't – if you saw the replay, there's no way you can make that distinction. On one of them, um, the goalkeeper rushed to get the ball and, and someone just slipped or something like that. But it was – if anything, it was a foul on the uh, on the attacker versus the, the, um, the defender. And then on the, the other one that I saw uh, – Basically, a ball came in. Uh, uh, they they both went for the ball. Uh, the defender like mistimed the kick, and the other one fell down in running, and they gave that penalty as well. So I think it's been pretty good. Um, just just, but it, there's been specific situations where it's been really bad. It's it, like I think collectively it's probably been better than most leagues. But the the when it's bad, I think it's as bad as any league that we've seen. It's just, but it's just uncommon that it's like. Like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I I would agree. Like what you were saying, that it's not as bad as in England because before VAR, like maybe I think since like maybe the start of the tens, um, like maybe two thousand twelve ish or so. Since then, like the Premier League has gone downhill for officiating, so. Prior to VAR, there was already very bad officiating in the Premier League. The last two, like, international tournaments and in Champions League sometimes, um, there wasn't any Premier League referees in in it because of how bad they can be. But I think, um, I, I don't like how it's been, but I still think it should be used if if they know how to use it more, they need to learn more. Because if it's so marginal, I don't see, like, a point in doing it. Like, with everything especially. And some things are so hard to see. And it just ruins games. Like, sometimes, like Danielle said, like, having to wait loads of minutes, like, just to see um, if a goal stands. And you can't even celebrate, especially when you're at the match yourself. Like that'll be worse. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a problem as well. And I feel bad for the players who are scoring goals. Um, the, the best, like last season for us, the best Roma goal of the entire season was taken away by VAR. And it's just, I think it also kind of goes into the handball thing where they're checking the VAR, obviously, but also be, when like it, it is like unavoidable when you it connects with, with, I don't know. I just think the whole thing is just, I think, it, I think it's good that we have it. And I think because there's been countless situations before we started having this that um, would have would have changed the course of history if they had VAR. And then there's other ones where um, they just I don't know. It's just it's hard to say, but I think it's good they have. They just need to learn how to how to use it better or I don't know. But just the state of it isn't at a high level. And I think that's the problem. It's not the fact that we have it. Is the fact that it's taking away countless goals in pretty much every game in most leagues. And it's, um, I saw um, in a Sassuolo game this year, someone scored three, three goals. They scored four goals, and three of them were taken away from, by VAR. And I think it's just insane how it's, uh, how it's being used. What do you think, Dale? Uh, well, uh, I think it is a good idea to have VAR, but then being a football fan, you want to be entertained and to see a match flow. And when your team score, you want to celebrate it, you know. And with VAR, now you're in the risk of celebrating a goal that will be rolled out anyway. Or there's always a little pause before you know it's a goal. I think it's a good idea to have the AI. I just think the people who are in charge of it need some more education about it, really. And also, I don't really like the amount of time it takes for a decision to be reviewed with the AI. And also, less time it will be added on to the game. And if you're in a winning position or whatnot, then that time wasted on reviewing a decision that could be. A goal that you can see, it all not your news. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I, I think obviously it's. I'm glad that we have it, but I, I mean, part of the issue is the, the the way they're they're handling it, but the other is the amount of time they're taking. So I kind of even wish um, they had like a timer of how long you can make it, how long you have to wait, or. Basically, you have this much time to make a decision on the call, and if if the time ends, you just have to leave it as is because it just uh, it's as you said, Daniel. The game against um, uh, Glogbuck, I think it was. Who yeah. I mean, uh, Inter had, had played the offside terribly. It was a clear breakaway he scored, and it was a goal. It was obviously a goal. There was there was never anything that was going to reverse that, and it still took ten minutes to do. Um, to try to sort of decide whether or not they were going to stand in, you know, and then it went into stoppage time. And I think there was like nine minutes of extra time and in, in, or stoppage time in that game. So yeah, no, I, I agree with everyone's saying here. Um, let's see. Um, uh, let's just talk about this really briefly. Um, Dan, you and I have already talked about this, but um, uh, obviously Diego Maradona just passed away. Um what were you guys' thoughts when you heard the news, and uh, how will you remember him? Uh, 
Whoever wants to go. Shandy wants to go first. <laughs> you can go first because you found out before anyone. Anyway, <laughs> so when I heard the news, I was really sad about it because I thought the come and then um, and Pele were like the Ronaldo and Messi before our times. And in terms of the visibility of the videos, I see it was like a bulldozer on the pitch. I think you just, no matter where the ball was, you'll always find a way through, get a shot on goal. And of course, his memorable moment was the hand of God. But it was sad news that he passed away. And, and I'm sure the footballing world is still graving over it and will always remember what a brave footballer he was. Fair. Daniel, I know you already spoke about this, but just quickly summarize what you told me yesterday. Um, Diego Maradona was the one who pretty much inspired the next generation, like the Ronaldos, the Lionel Messis. Um, he was like a kind-hearted person. Yes, he had his demons, but like I said yesterday, who doesn't have their own demons? Um and like I said, to the people like who are doing these inappropriate memes about him, just enough. Show some respect. Um, he he was he's gonna go down as one of the all time greats. And as you stated yesterday, Elliot, people who are just putting Diego Maradona has like their greatest of number one greatest of all time just because he's dead. Just don't. If you have him wherever you normally would have had him, just leave him there because that's a huge disrespect to him and his legacy. Um, but yeah, rest in peace, Diego. What do you think, Cheyenne? Yeah, um, I think it's really sad. I found out quite early because they all sent me like some things about people saying it on Twitter because things often happen on Twitter first, like the news broke on that because journalists and um I just thought it was really sad that like, I was hoping it wasn't true at first because he I, I didn't know about um I mean I I never watched him play because obviously I'm too young. But my my dad did and I've heard like good stories about him from my dad and from people around my dad's sort of age. Um I'm just like the elder, older generation, so I knew how good he was, and the fact, like, he was, like you said, like, rated like Messi and Ronaldo are now, and it was just, it would have been amazing to, like, be in his generation watching him play, but it's it just sad that he died, like, overall, and that some people want to make jokes of it, because of his past which is totally wrong because he was still a person and people need to understand more about addiction and things like that and yeah it could have been that that caused his death earlier also the fact he had an operation in early November this year so he he was like a bit weaker anyway and he was a bit overweight Um, but People saying things like that, um, but they're just wrong. I'm people, like I'm, I'm so happy with the reception 
that people gave him at, at like online um at the football match obviously there's been no fans which is a shame because it would have been even better with the fans but there was a lot of clapping a lot of nice things from all the players and the managers which was really nice to see yeah um i agree with everybody um he galvanized a uh, community of people in Napoli, which may not have been his best ever individual success, but um, he, he had the most success of his career there. Won two league titles, a team that had won anything. And uh, just from a point of, of just from the eye test, um, certainly one of the best ever. I think he, he became a pioneer for players who, who now play similar to him. The creativity um, was kind of those type of players were not coming around all that often uh, before he had arrived. Cruyff had that in him a little bit, but the people like Messi and others uh, who are known for their creativity in the midfield and stuff, that wasn't happening. And I think he he's a big reason why we started seeing more players wanting to play in that particular way. And just uh, just the warm up stuff that he did in, in, in Naples before games were, was incredible. Obviously, people are going to remember the hand of God goal, but uh, what people never say is they, he, that, that goal did not determine um, the result of that match. Uh, they would have won that game with or without that, that, the, the hand of God. Um, and, uh, again, he's one of the greatest of all time. Uh, in my point of view, there's only three players uh, who can – there's no more than three players you can say that are better than him, and that's it. And uh, he's uh, he's just incredible. Um, and the stuff he did with the community and, Nap- and Napoli and all that other stuff, uh, uh, I just think he's uh, he's an absolute legend. And a lot of people don't like him because of the hand go- the God the goal. But I feel like when you're young, you, you look at that and you think he's a cheater and stuff like that, and you don't like him. And then once you learn about the game a little bit more, you understand uh, – more of of what um, he actually was to uh, to Argentina, to to Napoli, to every pl- club he's played for. To you know, so he's uh, and uh, it's kind of sad that that there were no fans this weekend. Um, I'm glad they weren't because we suffered enough with 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 just the emotional energy they played with yes uh, two days ago. Um, but if if we had seen the the atmosphere in Naples. Um, after he passed away, I think it would have been incredible. Um, yeah. Uh, I, uh, anyway. I was uh, just going to say, um, obviously, me and Dale are English, so obviously we're too young, but we held about the hand of God like quite a few times. And I think both of us don't like the fact that he done that and like it, he scored by his hand, but we... We know that's not just him. That's not just. That's only one moment in his career, in his career which was yeah. much longer and much greater things. Don't you agree, Dale? Yeah, and also he scored another. Uh, and also he scored an incredible goal in the same games. I think yeah. people should remember him for that more than the hand of God. But it was really sad about him passing away. Yeah, and the, my thing is with people who say, okay, he cheated. Yeah, but anybody else would have done it, and, there's, and it's the same situation. If you have that opportunity, I mean, 
I mean, it, it depends who you are, really. But I think most people would have done. If you could get yourself into a World Cup final or a Champions League final or whatever by like diving for a penalty, they do it. So it's not like, you know, it was it was messed up and it was glorified because it was on the biggest stage. Um, it was even more glorified because. He um, he had like later had a picture with the referee and he didn't regret doing it or anything like that. But that's just who he. I mean, but I think it's 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 so much deeper than that. And it's like and it's like if he had not done that, they still would have won the game. So it didn't change the course of of that World Cup or anything like that. It, that was gonna that result was gonna be the same with or without it. And even like uh, Gary Lineker uh, was saying that. Uh, um, after he scored that other goal, he was like, he said that it's like the, it's the one time in his career he felt like he should applaud just because how good he was. So I think that, um, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, um, so, uh, Cheyenne, what, what have been your thoughts on, um, on Liverpool this season, especially, um, after Van Dyke went down? I, I think that. Like we spoke about earlier, the five sub rule and COVID and all, all of that type of thing causing it. Because, like I said to you, some of our injuries came before the Champions League did this season. But there was, because of Corona, there's less fitness anyway, um, in general. And not all of them were like, um, bad injuries or long spells out but there's quite a few including people out with COVID so I just think like it all contributed and it's obviously annoying but I still think that Liverpool are my favourites for the title still and the reason why is because I I just think we've had all these injuries we've had maybe about 10 we've had like 10 plus different injuries this season um and i'm including like say two injuries to the same player or two spells out to the same player so like tiago who had corona and then he was out with the injury like he is now but i think Mm -hmm. that we we obviously won it last season so we've got the experience we have the mentality as well we've got a great mentality which is evident in the fact in 2018 we lost to Real Madrid in the final, but the year after we went and beat Spurs, and then the, the same year, 2019, we lost to Man City to the title, but then the year after we won it by a fine margin, like well by a huge margin. So it um you could you can tell our mentality, and um I just feel like. The fact that we've had so many injuries, but we're still joint top, shows something. It shows that if we didn't have them injuries, we could have been even further ahead. Um, and yeah, people are panicking a lot, which like I get why because it it's annoying having injuries. You want to have your full team. You, if you are an opposition team, in some ways, you would want to face the full Liverpool team to see how you face up against them. And because of the signing of Diogo Jota, I think that will be pivotal pivotal uh, in whether we win the title or not. 
if we hadn't signed him, I don't think we'll be that near. To I don't think we'll be talked about this right now because I think we'd still have injuries as well if he didn't perform the way he has. But because we've got him, we've been playing a different style, and this style it it suits us at the moment for what sort of injuries we have. And there's also the case that um Lampard for for example, I I just don't see him winning the league. Um, I mean, I no, there's no way Chelsea's winning the league. But yeah, I just don't think Lampard's cut out for it. Um, at least yet, anyway, he should have waited until he got the job. I know a lot of people didn't really want the Chelsea job, but but like Gerrard's doing with Rangers, he went for the Liverpool under 18s and then for Rangers. And now he's so far ahead of Celtic this season and they're through to the next round already. And he should have done something like that for a bit longer because it's just too much pressure on him because he because he's got rushed into it so quickly it might destroy his like managerial career. And also with Spurs, I know they can win the league, but we often know that Kane tends to get injuries like throughout the season. That um, there's just a lot of different things. But with how we've um, been this season, we even with our injuries, we do deserve more points. We got we got robbed against Brighton on the weekend and against Everton. Um, so we would have had more points. But because how unpredictable, uh, well, sort of predictable in some ways, VAR is, it it makes this season even more unpredictable. So Liverpool have um, had unfair decisions, but so will Spurs and Chelsea and anyone else that are nearby, so like Leicester, Southampton. And it's just too hard to predict at the moment, but that's why I still have our favourites because I still think the fact that we are there with all the injuries. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, let me let me ask you this though: Would you would you start um, Jota over Firmino based on the fact that he's been in great form? Well, I'm just I, curious. I would start both of them because I think the system we play actually works well. I watched a video on YouTube by. Don't know if you know them, but I how do you say them? Like Tifo, is it or T I F O? Oh yeah, no sure. And Talk it about. said about um how Liverpool have adapted since Diogo Jota signed, and Firmino has actually been better recently as well. So maybe playing them four will be good, but then because we're playing four of them, if you get me. We could be a bit more prone to one of them getting injured. Right, that makes sense. Um, Daniel, I know you're not the the greatest in terms of Premier League stuff, but based on what you know and what you've seen from Liverpool, uh, what were your th- what are your thoughts on how they've done this season? Especially given the injury crisis. Um, I mean, they're doing well despite their situation. I mean, you have Virgil Van Dyke who went out early on and is out 
for probably until close to the end of the season. But they've done fairly well coming back from that because they're a team, in my opinion, that even if they have a bunch of injuries, they're able to like figure out, okay, what is the best way to approach each of the games that they have? They figure out where the play. They're really good with their tactics and figure out where their players need to go and to get those points despite their players being out. So, yeah. Yeah, So, overall, they're just one of those teams that no matter what comes against them, they're able to go out there and execute. All they have to do is just figure out what the best approach to the game is and what players they should be played in that position, and they're able to, like, figure it out with no problem. Yeah, I, I bet you could use some of that over there. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, Dale, if, if you want to comment on this, you can. You don't have to, though. <laughs> yeah, I will do um, yeah, I still think Liverpool are the favourites for to win the league, sadly. But I just think they're doing fair well, whether without injuries, because of Jurgen Klopp. I think they've been there for a few years, and in that few years, has brought together this within the Liverpool squad. And I think because it's such a brilliant coach. I think that it doesn't matter who Liverpool put out, they've still got the fear factor. And I think, <coughs> sadly, but watching Liverpool now, it's like how many United were under Alex Ferguson. I think every you're going to Anfield, you know, you're probably going to get beat. But uh, I don't really want to praise him too much. <laughs> No, that's fair. That's fair enough. No, I agree. I've, um, I, yeah, they're obviously the best. I, I, with Spurs, I'll believe it when I see it. Th- their history tells me that they're not going to win it. They'll hit a bump in the road and they'll collapse. I, uh, and that's basically their only hurdle because I don't see anybody else really pushing into that conversation. It'll be Spurs or Liverpool. And Liverpool, like USC, you said, Cheyenne, you went to the Champions League final, you lost. Next year, you won it. You. Got 97 points, got it second, and then went back and won it. So you have the mental advantage of the, over them that Spurs don't have because they um, they decreased in quality after the, the Champions League final. And now with Mourinho, they're starting to get it back. But um, I just I just don't see Spurs as, as a legit uh, team that can really – because you're doing this without Van Dyke. And if, if you had Van Dyke, you'd be a lot further ahead um, – best defender in the world or second depending who you like but um yeah they should win it i expect them to win it um i don't know necessarily that they're going to be a threat in the champion well uh, they'll be somewhat of a threat but not maybe not a massive threat in the champions league because there's a team in that competition that i don't think would be beaten but i mean that i mean but that's all down to clock he's done a phenomenal job there and basically or you know made up the entire team and um uh, just you know, he's just been incredible. Uh, one of the best managers in the world for sure. Um, real quick though, uh, Cheyenne, what uh, like it's obviously you want to be kind of where Bayern Munich is right now. What signing that would you like to see that could really take you to the to the next stage? Danielle, what do you think Liverpool need to to be at Bayern Munich club? I'm just going to ask you just because just to to stall. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I mean, it would have. 
I mean, they would need Virgil Van Dyke. I mean, I mean, he's like one of those players that will help them defend against the likes of Bayern, if anything, because he's one of like. But yeah. with their current situation, it's hard to say. I mean, they would just have not. Daniel, I'm not talking about this season. I'm talking generally. Nobody's beating Bayern this. I mean, no, no one's really. Um, Okay, no one's really uh, – I just don't see a team beating them. I'm talking about – because Bayern Munich are obviously at a level that is above everybody else. What type of signing do you think they need to get to a, a level where they can compete with a team like that? Let's That's see, signing, oh boy. It doesn't have to be a specific position. Uh, sorry, player, but what 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 do they need? What do you feel like they need that could could help them? I think I think another attacker would be good, um, striker wise, because that way they're able to have a little bit more depth in the attack. Because I mean, with Bayern, you have Mueller, Lewandowski. Um, who else do they got? Kadavri and all the. I mean, they're just low. And they have all these, like, top strikers that are, like, absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I just think maybe another striker would help them a little bit to give them a little bit more depth in that area. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. I- I'd go for Barella. Oh. Because if you pair him with Anyway, Cheyenne, you still there? <laughs> Dale, um, you want to talk about what happened uh, the Man United thing versus Southampton really quickly? Um, while we're yeah, waiting. yeah, yeah. That's just the Nations, really. That's been our problem this season. Defending from set pieces, then down. In throwing games. And like I said before the game, I said that the one thing we need to look for is. Games will produce from dead ball situations and lo and behold, that's how they scored their goal. But in the second half, when you've got a top quality player like Cavani to bring up, and that really helps. We haven't really got a poacher striker like Cavani. And of course, Bruno made the difference again with his passes. And it's so inspirational for our side, Bruno Fernandes is. And when you've got Bruno and Cavani and Van der Beek, etc. I don't like as a fan, you should always be like that you've got the talent to turn the game around. But I'm so glad we got the point, say, because we've got a game in hand as well. And um, so we need to keep on winning in the league to keep up with the rest. Everything that's annoying being a bad eye is how inconsistent. We are. We can turn up and beat Leipzig 5 now, but then we can lose at home to Crystal Palace 3 wins. It's no consistency there within May United at the moment. I'm glad we got the three points at the weekend. It's important to keep on winning and try and get a little run together. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, for sure. Shane, are you back? Can you hear us? Okay. 
Yeah, we're fine. Real quick, I'm going to go on that, but I, what I asked before, uh, what what kind of signing do you want Liverpool to get to take them up a level? Because our, our centre-backs are quite injury-prone. Like, not, not the young, not the youngsters. Um, and then about Gomez and Matt Pete, they're quite injury-prone. So someone like Upamancano will would be good for us. All right, not fair. All right. Um, uh, real quick, uh, Daniel, uh, what do you think about uh, Man United's great least ah, recent uh, victory this uh, against uh, very well done. I mean, they w- went down two zero, and just how they were able to like readjust their formation and get the pressure on Southampton in this, I think it was like the second half they started coming back, but just overall, they knew what they needed to do. They were able to find those open spaces and they just executed those with finesse and ease. Like they always do sometimes, but just well done overall. Uh, uh, Cheyenne, what do you think of uh, Man United's play like as of late? Oh, I, I um, I yeah. Obviously, Bruno is a great addition to them, but apart from Bruno, no one else really stands out as such. You see, um, I think that Bruno has saved them a few times, and they do get a lot of pennies, but obviously some of their penalties are... Some of them are their penalties, but it's just... um, I don't think anyone really stands out apart from Bruno. Like, they haven't got, like, a proper team yet. And, I mean, maybe... In a while they will, but I just don't think Ole is the right man for the job. So, do you th- do you think if you change if they change that, uh, they won't because he scored that goal, which is stupid. But that's just the way sometimes teams act. But um, if they had gotten someone, and I don't know, because it's hard for me to imagine somebody that's high profile. To be to want that job, but if they could get somebody better than him or a good, great manager, do you think that's the would that start to turn things around, or or is it deeper than that? that Because it's the problem also lies with the fans and the owners. So the the way the fans don't get on with the owners at all, well, a, a high amount of them at least, and I just think that the owners are having much more say than anyone else and they're obviously in debt by quite a lot and just a lot of United fans would rather that um, Glazers would go. So I think the roots are in the Glazers as well and I still think like they would need like quite a few additions and like I said about Lampard earlier, I think I think Ole is a sort of sort of sort of thing. I think he got a job that was too big for him at the time. So yeah, that's my opinion. And I know 
like some people are saying, oh, but he's actually have has a better record than Klopp did in his first 100 games. But you could see from day one that Klopp was trying to, something different. He was going to make a difference by just the way we started playing for him as opposed to how we were playing at the end of Rod- Rodgers' tenure. So, yeah, but with Ole, you can't really see them going in a proper direction like we were with Klopp at that time. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think... Um... They should change the manager because I, I, before before he went to Man United, he was in Sweden before, or Norway or somewhere. He wasn't high profile before that. He was – I forgot who he coached in the Premier League, but he got somebody relegated. He doesn't have the resume for a Man United job, and uh, I think they made a mistake by giving him the, the gig full-time. Um, but I, I think they just need new ownership. Um, it's amazing how – how quickly things can change with new owners. Um, but again, I also think uh, that uh, they need a, a, another manager because I just don't think – I don't rate him at all. I, I think he's a, he's a yes man. He does what the Glazer says, um, and then he just puts his team on the pitch. Um, sure, he's got moments, but I, overall, I just don't think he's, he's, he's the guy for this job. Um, problem is the best jobs – or the best candidates available for jobs right now I'm not sure any of them would seriously consider Manchester United because of their ownership situation and their inconsistency. Um, uh, yeah, what do you think about your manager, and would you what do you think needs to happen for this t- team to be turned around? Sorry, did you ask me? Sorry. Uh, what what do you what needs to happen for Man United to to be uh, to turn it around and become more consistent? Uh, I just think. Um... In terms of earlier, you just only see him having one style of play and has to hit games on the attack. But as a May United fan, I just think every time we see the lineup, I worry about our defence. Uh, it was clear, being a fan, it was clear heading into last summer we knew what we needed and none of our targets were brought in. I thought we needed a centre back with pace and right winger. And. Um, yeah, right winger and centre back because Maguire is quite slow and Lindelof's quite clumsy as well. And apart from that, the rest of our backs are clumsy. But that's not always the problem with that, you know, to the ownership. Like you said earlier, he's a yes man, Oli is. Uh, and I think that in May United get a, a big name manager. I think that. They weren't really going anywhere. I mean, last season they got the three semi finals, but they just don't have that player who can take them to the next level yet. I think so. But I think our mentality is another big problem as well. I mean, I know we came back at the weekend, but loads and loads of times last season and the year before, as soon as we went one goal down, it used to collapse a lot. So, but the main thing I want as a Man United fan is to then for the Glazers to go. I think they're the only team in the Premier League that pay themselves dividends payments, you know, and they take money out of the club. They're taking a billion pounds out of the club, taking over. And that's money that could have been spent. If we were an ambitious football club, then we'll be in a 
different situation now, but the girl the Glazers care about is getting fourth place. Um, I want us to be at the next level, but I think it's going to be a few years until we're at that level. Bear in mind, Liverpool already have a finished project pretty much, and Man City keep getting stronger and stronger in terms of signings, but every summer window comes, or every transfer window comes, and and I think that we just sleepwalk through transfer windows all the time. We've got loads of deadwood, deadwood there as well, and our wage structure's really bad as well. So I think there's loads of problems that may United, but being a fan, I just take every game as it comes, really. So. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I think ownership is the main problem. Um, and mostly because the Glazers are, are spending more time with their uh, NFL team than anything else. Um, Daniel, what do you think needs to happen for Man United to turn around? <laughs> As you just said, the ownership is the main problem. Has, uh, they're also American owners, correct? Yeah, they own the Buccaneers. Yeah, we, Elliot, you and I have had this discussion before that American owners should just stick to, like, the American teams because that's where they're going to spend most of their time and effort. And then their, like, football club is just going to suffer otherwise. So I just say that once – I think the real main issue needs to be solved first before there's really ever any massive improvement made because – they're kind of the ones also calling the shots when it comes to, like, signings and stuff like that. So I just think if – in order for them to really turn it around, they need to sell the club or else it's just going to be difficult to find those pieces to, like, actually help them get this thing rolling again. Yeah. You're right about the American owners, except Roma's owners. They're great, but and Liverpool's owner. But overall, yeah, you got that uh, spot on. Um, let's see. Maybe one more topic, and then we'll go into the, the questions. Um, I mean, we already talked talked about this, but um, what are you guys' thoughts on Chelsea's super spending this summer where they just basically bought every player that was leaving another a, a club of stature and – tried to put, basically put this entire team together just without any work other than just buying players. Um, anyway, wh- whoever wants to go first, Ken. And, um, I think that it was quite funny that they, uh, that they carried on spending in the server. I think it was dangerous for them when you've got too many players coming over who don't play in the Premier League I think it was always a dangerous to see if they were jail on them but um, obviously they are quite close to the table to the top it's like it may have worked well for them but usually when you spend too much money and buy too many players it takes a while for players to jail but that's what I think anyway yeah I was just agreeing with Dale. Anybody else have any thoughts on that? That they they just um went into the business, but then the thing with them is, and with any club who does similar things, is the gel. You need you need them to gel, but sometimes if 
if you've got quite a few players who are new, who are in similar positions, because quite a few of them are in forward positions, and they, yeah, well, they will need to work together. But sometimes it's hard. Like for example, with Klopp, when we bought the likes of Oxlade Chamberlain and Andy Robertson, they both didn't play straight away. It took a while until he implemented them into the team because he knew what he was doing. He he knew that it that he didn't want to rush them into the team, especially as the year we bought both of them. It was, we bought a few other people as well. So it it was just better him doing it that way and then you see how good Robertson is now and sadly Chamberlain's been unlucky with injury, but when he has played he's been pretty good as well. Yeah. Daniel, what do you think about the Chelsea what I call fantasy football pro- approach? Um I mean it's all good long as you like plan on implementing these players into the team because I know there are some teams who just like pretty much just buy any every single player under the sun and then the players end up just sitting on the bench and there's no real strategy with what they're doing. Um, just as long as they have an idea of what they were going to do with those players and they're getting the playing time that they are – expecting and they have a strategy and they have enough time to gel I mean it was a good move but only time will tell at this point but as far as trying to win this season do you think it was the wrong approach uh, yeah because there's you're competing up against like Man City Liverpool and some of the other clubs that have had success in the recent seasons who have, have proven players and already know, like, what they're expecting. Whereas Chelsea, I think, kind of, like, just was making, like, brash moves. But if they're going, deciding to do what, like I said yesterday with Juventus, if they're doing, like, a rebuild, then, of course, and they're planning for the future instead of, like, current the current season, yeah, by all means, yes, it was a great move. But it, I think just if they were trying to compete this season, it was just a bad move. But going forward, it might be pay off in big ways. Yeah. Uh, you read my mind there. I, I, I think Juventus, when I think of this, if the, if the idea is to win now, this was the worst thing they possibly could have done. You, you work with the players you you have and try to add a few pieces that put it together in a different way. If you're trying to win in two, three years from now, then this is perfect because you have all these players uh, this year. They're, they're not on the same page. Next year, they'll be closer to the chemistry will only go up as time goes on. But if Chelsea really are trying to win like now this year, then this was the, this was the worst thing they could have done. And um, I think being the, at least conversation as far as champions league. And I think based on the way they spent like that, I think it's unlikely that that can be the conclusion based on how they handle it. But if, if they're looking at this from like a two year, three year window now where maybe next year, they win something, not maybe not the Premier League, but something. And the next year they get close, they get second. And then the, the year after that, they win it. I mean, if that's the approach, then this is smart. But um, I doubt that that was their approach. But um, anyway, that, that's my point of view on that. 
Um, real quick, um, Liverpool play Ajax tonight. Um, what's everyone's prediction? Danielle, what do you think? Let's okay. see. I would. I'll say two zero. I'll say uh, uh, three one Liverpool. Yeah, I reckon it would be three nil Liverpool. Sadly, I was hoping for a new Ajax. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I feel that. I love Ajax is one of my favorite teams was, in the world. So. I, I always <laughs> want us to draw against teams that we haven't played before. So last season, I did actually want Atletico because we hadn't played them in a while. Like, I didn't mean haven't before. I meant in so long. So it's nice to play new teams. It was just annoying the fact we got Napoli in our group quite two years in a row. Yeah. That was just annoying, for example. And we got Porto in the knockout stages two years in a row as well, which was also annoying. But, um, yeah, I like our group this season as well because I, I also wanted Atalanta because I wanted to know how they would face against us. And, and um, I just rate them, so I just um, because they're like yeah. quite new on the thing recently, so I just wanted them as well because of that because they are yeah. so yeah. good. Um, they do a play the football I like to see as well. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a shame that it they didn't play you guys last year because last year would have been a last year was a much much better Atlanta team. They still have the top ten player in the world in Papu Gomez, and they still have a lot of good pieces, but they just don't have the um, they just don't have the magic that they had the last couple of years. So it's I really wanted to see that matchup last year, but uh, it, it was it was nice. I mean, I didn't I didn't enjoy the thrashing that Liverpool gave them. Um, but it was nice to see them get at least some, something to, to show everyone that they they at least deserve respect. Um, uh, uh, what's everyone's prediction for United PSG? Uh, personally, it depends how we approach it, really. If we go defensive, then I'll say we're just getting beat, uh, waiting to be beat, and I'll say from PSG, but if if the attempt is there to go out and win the group tomorrow night and to play positively, then I'll probably say 2-1, May United. But it all depends how we approach the game, really, because PSG need to go all out for the win, which could pay in our favour because there may be a lot of space to attack. But I've just got a bad feeling that Ollie's just going to set out the team to the bus and get the point that's needed but hopefully we go in the right way and attack the game in the right way and and just play the game like we need to win instead of needing to draw 2-2 two, two. fair what do you, what do you guys think, think? because um, I don't know United Did- obviously beat them before and PSG don't always have what it takes because of probably because of the lack of history and stuff whereas United have a bit of history and like how United beat them two seasons ago as well and 
I know it is at United's ground, but if it'll be um it'll be more of a loss for PSG if they don't actually win this one. And I'd really like to see them not win it because I want to see them go to the Europa League. That would be funny. So. They probably wouldn't even I do don't. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem is the problem is Rome. Rome is in the Europa League, and I, I'm not trying to see. <laughs> Daniel, what do you think? Oh man, I, I, it's it's hard to say, but I think PSG also have what it takes to like come back. Yeah, but. Manchester has been doing well in the Champions League so far. Oh, I say Man United win 3-2 because I think it's going to be a close game and I think there's going to be a couple goals going on up in that game today. So, Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't think PSG can shut them out. I think they will concede, but based on what happened last weekend in the league, uh, they want to prove a point. Um, I think I, I think Neymar is going to have a game today, and I think they're going to win. Uh, I'll say three one. All right, uh, then I d- uh, now I just have some fan questions, and then we'll head out. Um, who are your current top three strikers in the world right now? Um, I like Lewandowski as my number one. I like Lewandowski and. Um... I like Mbappe and I like Haaland. They're my top three, I think, that I like. Um, I would say... Cool. What do you guys think? Lewandowski, Haaland, and probably Harry King. Nice, I would say Lewandowski, Haaland, and Lukaku. <laughs> well, uh, um, <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Jacko, even though I want to. Um, I'm gonna say Ibrahimovic, um, Holland, and Lemondowski. Uh, all right. Um, what if, if you can't answer this, then you can decline. But what are your what are your top three teams of all time? Uh, Daniel, if you want to... Oh, uh, does this Sorry. mean just our teams that we support or teams in general? It can be your favourite or top teams ever or just the top three teams you've ever seen. Hey, cool. I will let Daniel go first. <laughs> Daniel, you can just do the top, the top three teams you've seen since you've started, since, since you've watched. Okay, um... But- so the top three teams that are my favorite that I've watched, um, Bayern Munich. This Bayern this Munich? Bayern Munich, yes. Um, okay. Leicester City when they won the title. Fair enough. And let's see. You have you have a. Uh... Um, MSN, you have Real Madrid 3P, you have any of the Juventus teams that you've seen? Uh, I think, I mean, there's a couple of seasons where Juventus had walked it, so I'm just going to pick, I think, 
one of those where I can't remember which seasons they were though. Uh, all right, so definitely not no. last one because that was that was a great team. There was one before with Ronaldo. There was the one before that, and then there was the the, te- the two teams that went to the Champions League final. Which one are you going? The with? ones were the the two teams that went to the Champions League final. The Barcelona team or the Real Madrid team? The which one? With the, the, which Champions League final? Are you going with Bar- the one against Barcelona or the one against Juventus? <laughs> one against Real Madrid. Um, Barcelona. Okay, fair. Um, I'll go next. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Ajax, Cruyff's Ajax, um, Granite Torino, and um, the Golden Team I Hungary. The Real Madrid team of 2016 to 2018. Um, the current Bayern Munich team and the Spain team of 2008 to 2012. Cool. Actually, I take mine back. I'm going to say, uh, I forgot Barcelona 2010. So 2010, um, Grande Torino and Cruyff's Ajax. Or whatever. Um, my top three, I'm saying... Probably the year eight, May United side with Ronaldo, Rudy, Berbatov, and Tevez. Uh, the current Bayern side, and I think the 2009 Barcelona side, I think they were quite good back then. So. All right. Um, who, do you, who do you guys want your clubs to uh, – sorry, who do you want your teams to sign this summer? Daniel, you, uh, why don't you go first? Let's see. Who do I want to sign this year? We've talked about this a bunch, so just, I, so just we've talked about so many players that Inter should sign. Oh my gosh! <clears throat> you can go with the unrealistic one. That oh yeah, sound. Milik Savage, <laughs> but they'll love themselves. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, what about everybody else? Um, and um, and Sancho, I'd like us to sign. But we're not, but we're not, not bad. Shane, we're not what playing, but, but we're Sorry, not go ahead. So we'll probably end up with <laughs> someone from a Division 1 or something. Uh, uh, <laughs> you would like Ubermontana? <laughs> um, and I don't know. I think we probably need another attacker, um, just because ours are older and this means the only thought that he was signed for also the, the next generation after Mane, Salah, and Firmino um lose their touch a bit. So I think we need a sign in there, and I think we need to maybe like right back another <laughs> one because I don't think Williams is cut out. Yeah, for it, yeah, I think he needs a loan next year, whether that's from January or next summer. Not bad. Um, I mean, my head says Jao Felix, but we'll never get him. So I'm going to say, um, I'll say Castrovili. Um, the the uh, the wing back that plays for River Plate I forgot his name, 
and uh, Duvon's well, about the Atlantis is going to go through transition next time. I feel and it'd be the if perfect time to the side, get like him as a replacement Liverpool, for Jekyll. Who would it be? Yeah, go ahead. Ooh. No, you have to pick one. Can we say I'm a little bit one, Shane? Or Hurley uh, Jake? Whoever <laughs> <laughs> wants to go first. Hey, good. <laughs> um, I, I take Allison. Uh, Salah wanted to leave, so I'm, I'm, I like him, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not what, trying to get what? him back. Allison, um, our goalkeeper's okay, but if we had Allison back, it'd be incredible. If I'm taking a non-former Roma player, I would take Sadio Mane. Yeah, I'd take Mane as well. <laughs> Danielle, what about I'd you? probably take Salah. <laughs> oh, God, that would be my night, biggest nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> My mutual respect for Salah will go out the window because I, I don't like it. Um, <laughs> all right. That was fun. Um, I think this is a kind of an obvious question, but I'm asking anyway. Who do you think should win the Ballon d'Or this year? Obviously, Lewandowski. Yeah. Yeah, I say Lewandowski. I would say him. But I thought- yeah, Lewandowski as well, I think. There was. Well, all right. If there was one this year. <laughs> yeah, he should win it. Um, or I don't know if there's, they're doing it, but he he definitely should win it. Um, if Jao Felix, though, if, if he has a, like, 20-plus goal season and wins the Euros, which I think he will, and wins the La Liga and goes so deep in the Champions oh League, God. then maybe he would have a shot at it. But I think it's, it should be a Lewandowski. Um all right. The Liverpool team, we've got one of the um, youngster goalkeepers playing. What's that? Hey. Wow. Yeah. I <laughs> thought you said he was going to win the yeah, Ballon d'Or. Yeah, you can ask now. I sent it to the chat. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Uh... Which uh, which youngster? Uh, I'm I'm assuming we're just talking about the the, the big three: Felix, Holland, and uh, uh, Mbappe. Which one do you think has the highest ceiling? Uh, I think Holland. I think Mbappe is a base. Holland is said uh, it. Don't think it's even him in being Holland the way he scores week in week out, and at such a young age to have that talent. I think he can go on for incredible things, Holland. I think. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree with Holland. I mean, he's just he just goes out there and dominates week in and week out. So I think he has like the more potential to like just keep going no matter what. Both of you and say Holland because I Shane, what do you think? I think he's got slightly more than the others, even though the others are class in their own right. But I just yeah, I I would be so surprised if Holland doesn't live up to expectations or exceed them even. Yeah. 
Um, I think I think Holland is the best right now. I think he has a massive potential, but I think Jao Felix is the highest ceiling. He hasn't hit it yet, and he's nowhere near of hitting it. And obviously, Holland has a huge ceiling as well. But just from future project- projection, I think Felix is the highest ceiling. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the best, um, but I think ceiling wise, he's I think he is just by interest uh, superior. Uh, not now, though. So I'll make that clear. But just g- generally, um, all right. Who do who do you think is going to win the Euros? Uh, I think um, this may be done, but I think uh, Portugal are going to win the Euros. I think England, I want them it? to win the Euros anyway. <laughs> you don't want England to win it, now. <laughs> I'll go next then. I. I better say England. <laughs> No, Dale's right. Portugal should be – they won't be the favorite. They should be. Because here's why Portugal are going to win it. Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo will be the number two option for Portugal in the summer. If he's your number two option, no one's beating you. So that's why I think Portugal are going to win it. I think Joe Felix may not be better than Ronaldo right now, but Joe Felix after this season at Atletico Madrid will be the num- – they will make him the number one option for Portugal. So if that is the case, they'll win it because Ronaldo will be the number two. If he's not the number option, they yeah, won't win. Like but, so that's why I think because, it. Um, <laughs> obviously, it'd be cool for all of our players to be in it. I think the last time on was was Fernando Torres and Pepe Reina. Um, they're the last ones that won the international trophy whilst being at Liverpool. So. All right, uh, Danielle, where are you going with? I know you don't know that much about international football, but you know the the favorites. Which one are you taking? I would have to say Portugal too, because like you said, with Cristiano Ronaldo being the number two, there there's no way you're gonna get beat. There's no way people or teams are gonna beat you. Um, I will probably discuss this a little bit more later on when I do my like Euro breakdown. But of course, I'm still currently learning the teams and everything, so. Surprised you didn't say Denmark. <laughs> um, all right, uh, I got, I got uh, just a few more questions. Um, what should Messi do this summer? Should he stay at Barcelona or go to Man City? Man United, I don't want him anywhere near Man City. <laughs> <laughs> I want to just can I go to I mean you're not really in the running I mean I, I guess a suppo- I guess he supposedly could go to Liverpool but that's not what that's not what's on the well man you're actually going after him it'd just be crazy if he was and I I love Messi I'm part of reason I love him a lot. It's because he has stayed at Barcelona all that time. Yeah. Uh, Danielle, what do you what do you think he should do? I mean, depending on the situation, like it was already clear when he he wanted to leave Barcelona at the end of last season. 
I mean, if they finally like let go of him, I say at this point just go to Man City and go and actually be in a place where you're kind of like working together as a team instead of carrying the team. Yeah. Um, selfishly, no, because I predicted that Man City wouldn't win a Champions League trophy until 2030. So if he goes to Man City, that's inevitably going to happen. But if I'm at that too, Barcelona treated him so poorly. All right. Um, two, 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 two questions left. Um, who do you think the bargain of the season is? Danny, you want to go like, first? What do you mean bargain of the season? A cheap deal for a player that's worth twice as much as what they got and who's playing out, outperforming price. Oh, geez. Um, I actually am I'm trying to think. There's one of your team you could argue. Oh, I'm trying to think. Barella? No. Barella's in their, their last season. What new signing... Did you could sign for a small market? I'm trying to remember. Uh, let me see. There was Darmian Hakimi. No. Yeah, that's the one. But you don't have to say it. just help you out. Okay, I'm like going through the list of books on yeah, Hakimi. I mean, he it has just been one of those signings for us that has actually been beneficial. And I'm glad we got him for a decent price. Uh, what do you guys think? <laughs> I'm not really a big. I don't really know um, many signings last season, but yeah, as a Premier League fan, I'd probably say Jota has the most notable one. Or for fun, or for left, has been really good this season in the Premier League. I'll probably go. Yeah, I this year there hasn't been. Shane, what do you think? Due to Corona and stuff, um, so it's hard to know. Obviously, but Jota was still like forty million, so it's still quite a bit. Um, but he has done really well for that price, so you could say him or maybe Ziyech. Um, he's been really good as well. So yeah, there's them too. Um. For me, I mean, Jota is an obvious one, but I'm going to stay in Italy for this one. I'm going to go with either Ibrahimovic or Pedro. Ibrahimovic is the is just been incredible this year, 39 years old, and Pedro has added it in a completely different dimension to um, to Roma. I cannot believe Chelsea let him walk. Doesn't make sense to me, but thank you very much. Um, let's see. Um, uh, no. I mean, so that's yeah, but he, he, yeah, but he didn't play for us until this season. But he, he had an agreement to, to leave. Uh, no, because his contract expired. Uh, sorry, his contract expired last season, and then re- renegotiated. So I guess that's kind of cheating. I'll, I'll just say Pedro then. <laughs> all right, um, who's everyone's top three managers of all time? Or Danielle, if you wanted to say top three managers right now, that's fine too. I'm going to say Pep Guardiola, 
Johan Cruyff, and 2010 Jose Marino. Okay. So, Alex Ferguson, and um, also Bob Paisley. Alright, I'm going to go Johan Cruyff, um, Pep Guardiola, and uh, Mikos, uh, the uh, genius behind the Ajax and Dutch teams. I'll probably go for um, Alex Ferguson, Pep Guardiola, and, um, and Jose Marino. I reckon even they'd like them being at Bay United. Thank you. All right. Uh, Good answers. Uh, thank you guys for coming on. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, um, yeah uh, no problem. We'll we'll have you guys back. Uh, no, uh, no. Thank you, everybody, for listening tonight uh, to the podcast. Um, we really appreciate it. Make sure to follow us on all our different platforms. Um, Ryan was not here today. But he will be back with us next week, hopefully. Um, secondly, uh, Danielle uh, has recently hit a milestone on the show. This is her 50th episode. N- not on this show specifically, but in total. Um, she's come a long way since the very beginning um, when she felt kind of behind in terms of conversation with me and Ryan. She's been much uh, more knowledgeable and more intelligent and is watching more games and it's allowing the show to be better because all three of us can have an intelligent conversation. Whether we agree or disagree on stuff, it's now more fluid where it doesn't feel like um, two of us are having a conversation and one person's just sitting around. We're all very active now and um, she's come a long way, so I want to say congratulations. Thank you, everybody, for listening tonight to the podcast. Um, we really appreciate it. Make sure to follow us on all our different platforms. Um, Ryan was not here today, but he will be back with us next week, hopefully. Um, secondly, uh, Danielle uh, has recently hit a milestone on the show. This is her 50th episode. N- not on this show specifically, but in total. Um, she's come a long way since the very beginning um, when she felt kind of behind in terms of conversation with me and Ryan. She's been much uh, more knowledgeable and more intelligent and is watching more games and it's allowing the show to be better because all three of us can have an intelligent conversation. Whether we agree or disagree on stuff, it's now more fluid where it doesn't feel like um, two of us are having a conversation and one person's just sitting around. We're all very active now and um, she's come a long way. So I want to say congratulations. Congratulations.